Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into this sacred place filled with expectations. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So I have a confession this morning, a lot like my young friend that shared this during children's time. I don't know the first thing about fishing. (laughs) In fact, with the exception of a couple of times in my life, I haven't even cast a line out, let alone catch fish. So having said that, I spent a lot of time this week looking at YouTube videos about fishing. I was asking all kinds of questions. I read articles about the finer points of becoming a fisherman and most especially becoming a fisherman guide, right? Fishing guide. I wondered things like, what's the draw towards fishing? I wondered, what was the purpose and the role of the fishing guide? I also wondered if it was an art or a science if it was a profession or a hobby, and just like good theology, I found that it is both and, right? It is all of those things. And so here is a few things that I learned. I wonder if as I tell you about what I learned, you might see a parallel between fishing and fishing guides and being a disciple. I learned that a good fishing guide knows the waters the feeding habits of the fish and the location of the fish at any time during the day, any day during the week, and any season of the year. It is the fishing guide's purpose to bring that knowledge to the fishing experience. I also learned that the guide is passionate about fishing themselves. Investing in their passion, they get quality equipment and probably more than their spouse wants them to invest in, right? We've all been there. Uh, they, uh, pull, they put in the time that it takes to understand the environment, everything about fishing in their world. They practice the techniques of baiting and casting and reeling or netting or fly fishing or sending the big ropes off the end of a boat that might be in the sea. A big bonus, if you're a a fishing guide, is that you actually like people, (laughs) since that's kind of your job. It's up to, to the fishing guide to create a positive experience, especially when things are really rough, in the roughest circumstances, like weather or a bad fishing day. I also learned that fish don't bite every day. I didn't know that. One guide said that on slow days, You have to be the one that leaves no doubt in the minds of those who are with you that it's still a good day so that they might come back and fish again. Finally, you you cannot fill people with garbage, one fishing guide says. They'll read right through it, and they won't come back at all. I most especially learned that being a fishing guide or a fisherman, fisherman is a lifestyle. It's not merely a job. So that got me to thinking about Jesus. Jesus wasn't a fisherman, at least by trade. He grew up in Nazareth, which is an interior city. It is about 20 kilometers or a day and a half walk away from any substantial body of water, which is the Sea of Galilee. 
We often refer to Jesus as a carpenter, which is the trade that his father had. So it would seem interesting to us that Jesus was compelled to call so many of his disciples from the fishing industry. We are wrapping up our January worship series, which is called Simply Jesus, in which we have been exploring who Jesus is, what he did, and why it matters. So far in this series, we have discovered that he was an odd sort of king who rules God's kingdom with mercy and compassion and justice, unlike any earthly king that rules in the day or even today. We have learned that when he joined us in baptism, a single baptism, he stands beside us, in which we are all claimed by God to be beloved. We've also learned that our human hearts are looking for a deeper meaning and the purpose is and purpose in our lives, and that can be found in Jesus. Today we're going to learn the value of being a good fishing guide. So Jesus was baptized in the heart of the Judean wilderness, in the Jordan River. That particular place where he was baptized is an epicenter of political and religious powers, a hotbed of conflict and divisiveness. So after Jesus came up out of the water, we learn the story that he went to the wilderness for a time. He took out to the desert. It was there that he began to uh, uh, discern what exactly this call is all about, to contemplate what kind of work lie ahead for him, and to consider his strategy as he enters ministry. After 40 days of hunger and thirst and temptation, Matthew tells us that he returns to civilization, but not to Judea. Instead, he goes north to Galilee, in fact, to the city of Capernaum, a city that is by the sea. And it is in that place that Jesus learns all about the vocation of fishing. This morning I'm going to read our story as I did with our children in a little bit different translation. It is in Matthew. It starts with verse 18 through 22. Please listen now for the word of God. It says, As he, Jesus, walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. May God add blessing to the reading of this holy word. Amen. On the heels of learning that John the Baptist had been arrested, Jesus begins to assemble his ministry team. Given his location at the time, which was in this city called Capernaum, he takes on the customs of the local community. He learns their language. And as he's walking by the sea one day, he looks out and sees fishermen. And from there, he calls them and he says simply, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. I notice that Jesus is not simply recruiting. He's not asking. 
He is not inviting. He doesn't say, hey, guys, I've got this really great opportunity for you. You wouldn't want to leave your nets behind and come and fish for people, would you? Instead, he commands them. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. As if there were to be no questions asked, but simply a response. Now, in the first century, in a Greco-Roman world, these towns, these people in these towns were accustomed to soldiers and military people and people of authority barking commands to them. Usually, these commands were accompanied with uh, abuse, physical and verbal as well. So when Jesus gives his directive, it may have first been kind of normal to them. They hear commands all the time. But something was different about Jesus' tone. It doesn't send this, this tingling of fear and terror up their spine like some other commands that they hear on a regular basis. Instead, he speaks from this place of love. This, this tone, this tone that not only challenges and carries with it a promise to transform, but also to love and accept. But the evangelists let us know that there is a cost to this kind of discipleship, this following of Jesus. You see, the fishing industry in the first century, I learned, was interwoven with all kinds of other industries, suppliers who supplied nets, suppliers who built the boats and other supplies and materials for the, for the business of fishing. And uh, they, there were buyers, there were sellers, there was a whole sis- economic system that wrapped around those who fished. Fishing was not an individual endeavor but one that was grounded in a relationship. And one of the most important relationships was probably family. Because like most businesses in the first century, uh, fishing was probably passed down from generation to generation. It was a family business, from one father to many sons. And it is in Matthew's account, at least of the calling of James and John, that we learn that it is a father that they leave behind, sitting in the boat, to mend the net that they were working on themselves. And for these four men, the cost of following Jesus would mean that they would need to leave behind their businesses that supported not only their own family, but other families as well. At least for two of them, the cost was that they would leave behind the very family and leave the family business with two less workers to study the patterns of the fish, to know the murky waters, and to navigate the boat. By setting their call in the midst of everyday familiar things, though, Jesus compels them to drop everything. To drop everything and to follow him. Their new task would be to fish for people. He uses this notion that they are very familiar with. Jesus meets us in our most familiar time and calls us, and challenges us. We love this story as kids. We love the story of fishermen and Jesus. But to get to the depth of the story, we have to see why Jesus is a good fishing guide. We have to uh, uh, think like the disciples. Those who followed him are in for an adventure, and our lives are filled with an adventure as well. 
an adventure of learning and growing and serving as the first disciples did. When I think about what Jesus offered them, that must have looked very familiar to them, I see these things. I see that it was Jesus who offers living water to satisfy an eternal thirst because he knows the water. This creator of the water leads us beside the still waters to restore our soul. In the storms of our life, when the storms were casting the boat to and fro, when the storm of life had them in a chokehold, it was Jesus who calmed the storm, calms the waters, quiets the storm, so that they can find balance again. And it is Jesus who, on the very surface that they make their living, walks to them, comes to them, walking on the water. Jesus knew the place to be. He knew that having a place was important. Jesus, in Jesus, we have a place that is called the church, you and I. This Greek word church is actually means called out ones. Called out ones. Think of that. We have in each other a place to be. A place to be loved a place to belong, a place to be in Christ, and a place where Christ is in us. You see, Jesus is a good fishing guide because he leads us to this place, a place where we can find mercy and purpose and love and justice and forgiveness in the lives that we live together. A place, this place is the church, and he has asked each of us to follow him into the fishing business. One of the videos that I watched this week was with Travis Frank. He's a young man that has made his living on the the lakes. He's a fishing guide, and he tells his story a little bit. He says, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't fish. He was very young when he cast out his first uh, rod, or first line, and caught a fish. He was really young. And from that day forward, he was excited. He couldn't get enough of fishing. It seemed like he was born to fish. He says, if there is a time any day or I go a couple of days without fishing, there is something inside me that gets antsy, and I have to go fishing again. And so the interviewer says to him, Travis, what is this restlessness like? And so he reflects a minute, and then he says this really important thing. He says, it's kind of like a passion. It's really deep in my soul. I can't really explain it other than it compels me, it draws me in. It is that itching that draws me out also to the water. And if I catch a fish, I am compelled to throw it back and catch another fish. Each fish that I catch, whether it is the first fish or the 10,000th fish that I catch, it is as exciting as the one before. So, friends, I find a fundamental truth in this metaphor of fishing for people. As it is with the very best guides, it is a lifestyle. It is not a job. Our discipleship, when Jesus is our guide, becomes a passion something that is deep in our soul. 
And if we sit idle, it is that passion that will make us restless. It is that passion that will get us itching to be out there and to share the gospel with others. To share the story of a place where you can be, a place where you can belong, a story that has the power to transform us and transform others and give us peace. Follow me, Jesus said. Let's do it together. Amen.